saying is that Electrum pieces really don't have a place in D&D. They're worthless. I, yeah, I don't get why they exist. Like, they're like, okay, so so uh, what what are the three most common materials that you make money out of? Copper, silver, and gold. Oh, and but, but what about Electrum? Oh, yes, I really need half a gold piece. Thank you. Yep. The only the only one in the middle. Point like, why? Who, Thanks, whose buddy. idea was this? It was probably some intern where they're like, hey, Mark, what did you have ready for today's meeting? He's like, uh, a piece between silver and gold. Genius. This guy. Promote him. Uh, I'll tell you. I, we can't leave you two alone. The, the conversations that come up are just in, increasingly uh, chaotic. I mean, yeah, you really can't. Just you, no. me, and Craig. That's right. I'm too emotionally raw to do the podcast today. Electronics right. got me heated already. Oh, no. Well, let's do roll call before we jump into the rant. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, glad you could uh, spend some time with us again. My name's Kevin. And uh, today around the table, we have Clay. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, I, it sounded like indigestion. I'm not sure what happened there. It's okay. And we have Bree. Hello. <laughs> uh, we have Ryan. Hey. We have Joey. What's up? And we have the robot behind the curtain, Nathan. Hello. You sound much better today. You almost sound human. It's not pushing my life. So real. So we can uh, we can jump in. Let's throw things around. Um, I, I'm going to throw Joey under the bus. I'm going to see if he's ready for. Uh, ah. uh, you, uh, you re- I'm always ready. I, you know, I just have that feeling you would be. So what do you got for us today? Psionics. Can't live with them. You can live without them. All right. Spell it. Spell it. Uh, You know, (laughs) T-S-I-O-N-I-C. So what about psionics, Joey? Uh, It was uh, one of the recent UAs, you know, as recent as UAs can be sometimes. Uh. They're, uh, I, I thought they were kind of interesting because it kind of feels like they're just trying to force Sorcerer into other classes. Because <laughs> it's just brain magic, but not magic. It's um, how they stated a supernatural power, which is kind of weird because I always thought the way I interpreted it was like the weird creatures were forms of just arcane, some arcane infusion during involved or right. whatever. So it's uh it's kind of interesting that they're uh, doing this. It's uh it's been around for a while, but they've always had the base um features of just being part of the user, you know, like a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um. Oh God. It's it's just they got meta magic kind of things, like okay here. There's the Psy Knight, which is a fighter subclass. And mm. it just allows you to cast things one uh, with your psionic die. So kind of like... um. So it's like an Eldritch Knight, but like Sorcerer yeah. instead of Wizard. Exactly. It's really, really something. Well, yeah, it's, it's just like that. <laughs> I think, like I, think that. I can offer a little bit of um, like background on the psionics oh, yeah. a little bit idea. so mm-hmm. um psionics have actually been around in D for a while at least back to 3.5 probably further um but 
uh, it's funny that you say that they're like a copy of Sorcery because they actually stayed pretty consistent from 3.5 and Sorcerer was very different back then. Oh, yeah. um, you didn't have Sorcery points and the thing that makes them unique in 5th edition, Metamagic, that was something that any spellcaster could take in 3.5. Hmm. Um, and so Psionics uh, have basically stayed the same for the most part. You have Psy points, which are kind of like how sorcery points work in 5e, right. where you can use them to augment your different Psionic abilities and stuff um, and make them you know, like affect multiple people, last longer, whatever. Um, and then you have, uh, I believe it's like, um, you have like a limit thing, which, or, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot that I don't know about it. It's something that I'm not very familiar with. Yeah, but... you have uh, X amount of side points, according to, I think, proficiency is what it's based off of. I'm trying to find it right now. Right. Oh, yeah. And Bye. so, yeah, basically, um, it, from what I remember of Psionics in 3.5, this is a very similar system, because I know that 3.5 had side points too. And it was kind of similar to Monk, which had key points. And so you had like a martial character that had an expendable point-based like class resource. And then you had this one, which was more like your ranged caster kind of character. And so back then, it worked a lot better. But I feel like it's kind of weird now fitting Psionics into... Um, 5e because they kind of filled the niche that it filled with sorcerer in this edition. Yeah, I agree because like that's that's where I I don't know too much about three uh three point five, so that's why I linked it with sorcerer because I'm more experienced with 5e. Hmm. So I was like, this is just sorcerer but flavored differently. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's actually interesting how you said that's where main concept of sorcerer kind of changed into it. Right, changed to be sim more similar. Yeah, and Dad, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, a lot of D, the DMs don't want to get into it because it it does kind of, it's kind of a breach of power. Uh, it's more like, you know, it's like a spiritual power kind of, you know. It's uh, It actually started um, back in uh, the second edition of AD&D. Uh, that's how far back it goes, and that's where the first ever um, class a psionic class that uh, it was called the psionicist. Uh, that's where it started, and it was more like um, like your uh, uh, what do you call them the crit. Um, if you got really really lucky, you could you know um, infuse this power. Uh, it's changed over the you know over the years, uh, but yeah, I mean we're talking this goes back into when it was you know first started the second edition of AD and D, uh, you know late seventies early eighties. So it's been around for you know some time, but uh, you know the newer ones. I mean I was just kind of looking through that, and I'm thinking you know it's again you know where I have that problem with the cross uh, classes, where now you've got a knight you know, or, you know, a fighter, let's say, just a core fighter. Uh, he can infuse uh, this magic into weaponry. And uh, it's like, okay, that's kind of like the uh, wizard who can pick locks and the rogue who can, you know, play a banjo and, you know, and dance around and, and create magic that way. There's just, there's no pure classes anymore when you have, when you add that psionics in. 
I know it's limited to uh, just a few classes, but it's still, you know, they refer to it as a, like a divine uh, magic, you know? So I don't know. Um, personally, I, I wouldn't have a problem if somebody wanted to do that. But then your whole campaign changes because if you've got somebody who's using psionics on the PC side, you're going to have to have either, you know, some of the nemesis or your, you know, NPCs if they're, you know, um, against the, your player characters. You, now you've got to have someone that can fight back, you know, that and that's kind of gets into the whole thing like the DM, you know, trying to rule out. That's why, you know, they don't like druids. You know, the shape-shifting, that's a pain in the hiney. Uh, you know, uh, the... <laughs> no, nah, and hey, Bree, don't take it personal because I love that. I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm going to slap my wrist now. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's why a lot of the DMs don't like it, you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, you'd have to know ahead of time going into it that right. that somebody wanted to do that. And then, like I said, that that changes and shapes your campaign, you know, considerably when you're starting to, you bring in all the, and, you know, and UA, as great as it is, um, people have to remember, it, it's a sandbox. It's not, you know, this is not core yet. Right. And I mean, if the DM wants to allow it in, that's fine. But I would say that would be for smaller parties where it's a little more manageable. You know, we're at seven right now and there's a chance we could be going up two more. Um, I don't think I would let it in just because I don't have the experience with it. Right. And I think it would really slow the, you know, our, you know, the, um, our play down, but you know, it's, I'm not saying it's completely out of the realm, but I would say it's, it's definitely a deviation from a lot. And you, that's why a lot of you know, DMs won't even play. They, you know, they won't even allow it just because, you know, you're using your brain. I get it. You know, it's like arcane, but that's magic that's in the air that you're drawing from, you know, and then divine, you know, like the cleric, you know, he has divine because of his, you know, his uh, beliefs and, uh, you know, his gods, where Sanex is just another type. But again, it's, it's something that's newer. And that one, I would be a little more uh, skeptical of bringing in unless I had, like I said, a relatively small party where I would be able to, you know, to handle something like that. I don't know. I mean, does that kind of answer where, you know, where I feel it sits? And Yeah, that's a I, very good answer, I think. Um, if you don't mind my backtracking, I kind of wanted to touch on what you were saying with um, like all of these different classes being able to do different things that other people normally have. So you kind of have that breakdown of um, like what makes each class special. They're like um, right. no more pure class. Right. Um, right. And what I wanted to address is I think that this issue kind of stems from the leaving behind of like prestige classes in 3.5. Because, um, for instance, looking at Cyanite, um, you could very easily have this be a prestige class in like the 3.5 system. Um, for those that aren't aware, a prestige class was um, not, not a class that you could take at like first level. It was something that you needed to have the right prerequisites for. So, for instance, Arcane Trickster, which is a rogue subclass in 5th edition, was actually a prestige class back in 3.5. So you needed to have a certain number of levels in Wizard and a certain number of levels in Rogue, and then you would um, multi-class into or prestige into an Arcane Trickster. And I feel like if there was that sort of system here in place so that you you know got some levels in Fighter and got some levels in like a, a Mystic or Psionic or whatever, mm -hmm. um, then you could like prestige into cyanite and that would make sense but um yeah 
uh, as it sits right now, uh, I get that prestige classes were dropped because we wanted to make things easier for newer players to understand. And like multi-classing a bunch like that can be confusing for people. But I think that that's kind of led to the kind of issue we have now where like, you know, once you hit level three, you're like, yes, I can fight with a sword and also use brain magic at the same time. So <laughs> brain blast people. Yeah. 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 And and I agree. And I think there should be some kind of penalties towards, you know, starting it to not not to dissuade, but to, you know, to kind of, um, uh, you know, tether, tether it so that if you had a rogue, let's say, and he wants to try to, you know, open a lock, he should have much better skills and he should have pluses to that where somebody who's learned, you know, uh, to, to open locks, uh, who, it's not a pure um class well I, th I think that depends on the character too because you could have a rogue that's never opened a lock in their life right like maybe they were just a hustler on the street or a pickpocket and then you could have another character who was like um a fighter that was like a veteran of a war and retired to become like a locksmith or something and in that case i would argue that the fighter would actually should have a better chance at opening a lock than the rogue does yeah, it would. I agree to a point, but I think there, you know, you're again. This is like multi-classing. The multi-class it's already an inherent um, disability because you're not learning at the pace that others were. Like, you know, like I said, the example, you know, for fourth level fighter, fourth level rogue, he's not good at either. He's basically at a fourth level in either of the subclasses. You know, I that's the kind. Of, I'm not saying that it should be a penalty you know, to the point where he's not able to. And like you said, I mean, I get that. But, you know, I mean, if you're a fighter and you're retired, yeah, you want to be a rogue, you want to be a locksmith, fine. But that should be a subclass just because it, it does put the penalty because you, you are good, you're skilled at both. Because you can jump into a fight and, you know, usually a fighter uh, is able to, you know, uh, wield better weapons. He's got better, um, you know, armor. Now, if he becomes a rogue, you, you know, some of that's got to be pulled away. He's not able to use the heavy armor if he's going to, you know, use his rogue skills. So, I mean, I think that comes into play as well. I mean, I'm not trying to limit them. I'm just saying that I guess I'm a purist. You know, I, I like the fact that you've studied. This is what you've studied for. Uh, it would be like, you know, hey, I'm a doctor, but, you know, now I want to fly, you know, big airplanes and, and you know, I want to be a pilot. Well, you're having to start from scratch. You're starting all over again. You're st yeah, you're still a good doctor, you know. And if you have a medical emergency on your flight, well, hey, guess what? That's that's better for them. Now you got the best of both worlds. But it's going to take you a lot longer, you know, to get to that point. Um, so that a fourth level rogue would be better than a sixth level, you know, dual class, you know, rogue fighter. I'm just saying that there should be some, you know, pluses to the rogue who's devoted his whole life. Yes, he might have been, you know, a pickpocket, but, you know, I mean, if and if that's where he puts all of his skills, you know, all his points in, fine. You know, you're right. He shouldn't be able to pick a lock, you know, and if the fighter did, that's fine, too. I'm just saying there should be some in, inherent, you know, limitations to what, you know, a, an eighth level single class versus a eighth level dual class. That's all I'm saying. All I know is that my third grade teacher always told me that brain magic was a superpower I would get if I promised to study for my spelling test. But I, I guess that was just psionics the whole time. 
Maybe so, you should have studied. I, uh, I should have studied. It, oh, I, and you can, no psionics here. And the principal was the DM and said no. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry oh. to hijack your question there, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Okay, it. next time we don't put Joey up front. All right, that's hmm. all there is to it. Yeah, you yeah, get me talking time. about prestige that's, classes and how I miss right. them. That's right. Get tricked. Yeah. That's my brain yeah. back for you. Hey, all I'm saying... <laughs> All I'm saying is we could go back to 3.5 on our next one if you guys want to. Sounds but... like you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you really want to go back. To I think. What, what do you want, Kevin? Hey, I think I need to draw you back to AD&D. That's what I think. Uh, I don't think that's uh... going to happen. But... <laughs> no. I think I think if we were going to backstep, I'd rather backstep into Pathfinder 3.5. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm good with 5e. Let's just leave it there. Yay. And uh... with that. Yes, Clay. What yeah. do you think? Five uh, to one. Can you do it? Is it five or four to one? Five to one. Yeah. Five oh. to one. Yeah. It is five to one, Clay. I got right. the gold star, Clay. You gotta oh, come on. God. Come on. It's All right. So it is that time once again, and as <laughs> promised, this week's is on playable races. I haven't Ooh. had any time to study. Uh, I technically had a week, but yeah, I still well, study. maybe you should have thought about that a week ago. Yeah, well. Anyway, um, so once again, this is uh, the, the fun segment where I say two things that I made up and one thing that I didn't make up, and um, Clay gets to guess which one uh, is real. Uh, for a grade, and everyone else is more than welcome to chime in. So, here are three playable races. One of them is a thing made by wizards. Um, <laughs> the other one, other ones rather, um, are things that were made by yours truly. Um, so, uh, here's the first one. There is okay. a playable race that is based off of a slime or like a jelly. Um, and it has a racial ability where it can absorb a corpse and like eat it basically, and use one of their hit dies to heal without taking a short rest. No. Okay. Here's the second one. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a playable race that is basically a normal human. However, uh, what makes them different from normal humans is that they have ghosts from the dream dimension that live inside them and give them telepathy. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and then here's the last one. There's a race of sentient tree people, and they're basically like warforged, but they're wooden. Um, and they have racial abilities like being able to grow flowers and to like move soil and stuff. Um, and also, uh, it, when they short rest in the like sunlight, um, they can re-roll any ones or twos on their um, hit dies. So basically, if you rest in the sunlight, you you heal more. Great. You Great. salute the sun. All right. Yeah. So we've got a, a race of Ents from Lord of the Rings. Pretty much. Uh, we've got gelatinous cubes, but as people. Yep. And we've got what? What was the 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 human? What did they do? Uh, the humans with the ghosts from the dream the ghosts, dimension the that live inside them and give them yes. telepathy. Yeah. The humans with ghosts in their blood. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> Are, Ryan, so these are all guys I plan on playing that slime race. Oh, <laughs> man. These are all ridiculous. Wizards of the Coast, you made a fantastic game. There's so much lore, but what were you thinking sometimes with this? 
you know what? What if you? I I always try and logic my way out of this, but this isn't a, a situation that I logiced my way into. Let's just go with humans with ghosts in their blood. That sounds that sounds totally real. My my whole world has been a lie up to this point. It's got to be humans with ghosts in their blood, right? Um. Well, let's hear from our other contestants before we get back to you, Clay. Great. Um, <laughs> does anyone else have any theories? Uh. You know, I love the idea of taking a cookie cutter to a slime cube, a gelatinous cube. I'm just making a person out of it. Yeah. yeah. But I'm mm. 80% sure it's, it's dream people. Mm. Ghost people. Although I'm eight also. I'm going to go with the slime. I'm, I was torn between the slime and the tree. I'm going to mm. go with the slime. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Clay, uh, ghost oh. people from the dream dimension that give you telepathy? That's your yeah. uh, final answer? Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. All right, well, then, uh, Clay, I'm pleased to tell you that uh, you actually got this one right. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. Why is this the one I get right? <laughs> so these are the Kalishtar. Oh. Uh, they're from Eberron, rising from the last war. And basically, yeah, they're just people, um, but... <laughs> they come from a bloodline where these refugees from the dream dimension uh, basically live inside them, and they uh, give you mind powers or something. We just learned about mind powers. Yeah. <laughs> I love that even when you win, you become an angry boy. It's because I picked the thing that sounded the stupidest. Ghost blood people? That doesn't sound real. But you what? it is. People do. But All I right, guess Nathan, it is. Here in the star. Oh, no. People just sounds like lizard folk, but jelly. <laughs> it does, <doesn't> it? <laughs> I found my new strategy. I'm just going to pick the one that I hate the most. Mm. I'm just going to pick that because I, he, Ryan knows me. He's, he's making the real ones the ones that he know would upset me. He's, he's, he's moving it around. No. Make sure I'll pick uh, a really normal one. Yeah, there you go. That's how you'll throw me off. Well, I guess you know, at least I won. It's nice. Yeah. You do. Yeah, you have a star. I do have a star. And, you know, since I'm in a good mood today, I guess I won't. I don't think I have anything to rant about. But I do have some cool things that I found online, other magic items that I think are ridiculous in the best way possible. And I'd love to talk about them with you guys if you're interested. Are there more spices? There are no spices this week. It's actually <laughs> we seem to be kind of in a uh, a, a magical accessories theme oh, okay, this okay. week. Yeah. So first up, have any of you heard of the brooch of number numbing? Nope. Can't say Ooh. I have. No? Amazing. Do are you tell. Sure? So this is a little pin that goes on your cloak and Anybody that sees it comes down with severe dyscalculia. Dyscalculia. But I can't huh? read that word. They huh? they don't know what numbers are, all right? Uh, they uh. lose all distinction between numbers and basically they just accept anything that you say about numbers. They just completely forget and you can be like they would have said to you, you know, yeah, that sword is uh, 400 gold. And you're like, but look at my pin. And they're like, I will do whatever you say. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is however much you want it to be. But what about one copper? <laughs> one <laughs> copper piece. <laughs> and then they say yes, because this is a magical fairy land. Oh, yes. 
because it's um, a fair trade. I'll have I, it. I just really want my character to get one of these and go to a fancy city and find the university and just walk into the math department until everybody starts sobbing. You could buy an entire city. We forgot numbers! Uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be a great time, personally. I'll give you, you know. two copper for your entire town. What does That's it look so like? Is there, is there the, like more description? No, the, 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 the image that's with this is a gold star um, with the word math on it. So <laughs> I think <laughs> that's a, it's better. A, it's a gold star. It's like a that's sticker. much better. It's a pretty good thing. I think that that's fine. What do you got? Can you think of you have any uh, practical uses for that? Anybody? I mean, aside from the obvious, yeah. Yeah. Being well, able to be like, I'll trade you this shiny money. for that <laughs> shiny, and you just like hold up a ball of tin foil. Yeah, you can yeah. use it to people. I have a million men behind me. So, huh? Let's see, let's yeah. see. I have two, and they think that's a lot. I would say that it would probably be very valuable for a thief who is uh, doing anything with numbers, though. I could we see where talk. that would. Or yeah. If you get caught, like you stole. Oh, only stole, one thing from me. You well, stole, yeah. You, you stole you 30 know. gold from me. I did not. I stole this one copper. Here you well, go. Well, the thing is, is after the effect lasts for 2d6 rounds, but once the conversation ends, they'll realize what happened. But if they haven't heard of the mm. road before, they may be, you know, confused as to why it happened. But they will remember numbers and they'll realize what had happened to them. So, so you have that many rounds to trick them and run away. Yep, brave that's it. Hope you don't like that town anymore. That sounds like the friends spell. <laughs> so, next up on my list, how many of you like paperwork? I love, love it. paperwork. Love paperwork. <laughs> Me have too. You ever thrown a paper airplane. I yes, I have. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to cast a spell and then have to fill out forms in triplicate before you can cast it? Oh, is this the Ring of Wizard Bureaucracy? <laughs> the Ring of Bureaucratic Wizardry. Yes, it is, Ryan. Oh, You've right heard again. of this before. I have. So, this is a cursed ring, and it is completely <laughs> indistinguishable from a Ring of Wizardry, which I'm assuming is important, but I didn't look that part up because I only saw this and started laughing. So, <laughs> when a wizard casts a spell while wearing the ring, there's a whole sheaf of papers and pen that suddenly appear in front of him. And the papers are forms that have to be filled out in triplicate, explaining the effects of the spell, why that oh. wizard wants to cast it, whether it's for business, pleasure, and, you know, whatever else. And they must be filled out before the effects of the spell occur. And the bigger the spell, the higher level, the more complicated the forms are. So, supposedly it's one round per level of spell. So, that's actually fairly fast. Considering. Telling me. I could have been playing a bureaucrat this entire time. You could have. Oh I don't even God. feel like that's a curse. Man. It sounds like fun. Uh. <laughs> Can you imagine? Your party would kill you. <laughs> the worst wizard ever. On a side oh. tangent, in a campaign yeah. right now, I'm playing an IRS tax collector. Oh, so, boy. Right. Yeah. You must be popular. Uh, yeah, so paperwork's kind of my shtick. Also, he's a Kenku, so... You should absolutely get the ring of Kenku's! You should have a bag of those rings and then give them to people. When they I should, them. yeah. Yeah, I'll have to talk to my DM about that one. Just a warning, you guys might not want to take any rings I'm passing out tonight, I'm just saying. 
Uh, oh no! I don't know. I, I think I should. Do you know why I think I should? Because I'm currently wearing my last item, which is the ring of contrariness. <laughs> this this is another cursed ring, and it makes its wearer unable to agree with any idea, statement, or action. I had no idea. That sounds yeah. amazing. They completely will always disagree with anything and everything that's around them. Oh my and God. it can only be removed when there's a remove cursed spell cast upon the person wearing it. it is gonna and because of that, whoever's wearing it is going to try to resist any attempts to cast that spell on them. Oh, God. Because unless, they're contrary. Unless someone says they don't, they shouldn't cast a spell on you. So oh. big brain plays right there. It, it's an interesting one. Can you oh, turn can, tables, Joey? Oh, how it's like playing with me. You know, I feel like I'm a walking ring of contrariness in the game. Speaking about uh, rings, what's that ring Ryan that always disappears? <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Ryan has its ring, like ring that continues to show up in his campaign. That'll just whenever you put it on, disappears. It'll come up somewhere else. Wait, like you disappear or the, no, ring? the yeah. ring? The ring means absolutely nothing other than the fact that when you put it on, it teleports somewhere else. Maybe you just haven't <laughs> used it the right way yet. You know it's the ring I of mean? invisibility. When you put it on, the ring turns invisible. No, it's, it's a, a ring of teleportation. Yeah. Ah, well, you know. Either way. Cat has that ring right now. It's okay. He doesn't know. Ah, uh, <laughs> man. So these are my items for this week. I hope you all enjoyed that because like they made that. me laugh. Uh yeah okay Bree, let's uh let's get a, a fresh breath there. Wait, strike <laughs> that, reverse air. that, <laughs> strike that, reverse that. Breath of fresh air. Sure. So yeah. what do you got for us? What do you yeah. have for us? So I did have. I know I talked about you know some role playing questions for last week. Um, this is more so for the DMs. You know, for all those times that you kind of see a lull. Or maybe notice some new players not doing anything, just kind of freezing up. Do you have things that you do to kind of break the ice, re-engage people who just kind of just seem to only all be checking for traps and just not talking to each other? Do you have like a set of things to engage people or nudge them in the right direction for your story? Right. Um, I don't have like a set box of tricks per se. Because I think it really depends on like a case by case basis. So like um if I see some character who um let's say they're like a thief like you were talking about, right? Um and they like they just disarm traps and then they go back to sitting at the back of the party until they're mm -hmm. needed again. Um First of all, they have to be willing to engage themselves. There's only so much pushing that I can do on my end um, to like give them the spotlight and give them a place to shine. But like um, maybe they have some special quirk, like um, they're maybe they have like proficiency in like the harmonica or something, right? Then right. maybe at some point I give them like a piece of loot that's like a golden harmonica. And they're like, oh, neat, we could go and sell this. And then they could be like, oh, actually, I play. And they, everybody would be like, what, you play the harmonica? That's weird. So basically, I just try and use my knowledge as a DM to prompt things on the character sheet that wouldn't get brought up otherwise. 
I like um, that. So kind of giving them a nod, like, hey, you play the harmonica. Maybe you should use that or like play a song, you know, right, before exactly. everyone tries to get rid of it. Okay. Okay. I know that for me, um, you know, my bass when I'm kind of just freezing up, I'm like, sure, I'll go explore this other general direction because mm-hmm. in the role playing I'm like, I we're not in combat, we're not necessarily looking for anything. I think in a way we're exploring. So uh, I think I think you're right. I think that that would help me, like knowing that, like I still have to. I can just try, you know. Maybe I can do something silly, or me as a druid, maybe I would just wild shape to just to wild shape and just see if I can find something um, with the perception of whatever animal I turn into. What about you, Kevin? Is there anything you kind of like? Do you do anything to kind of get everyone's attention when you notice everyone's kind of zoned out or not really doing anything engaging yeah i think everybody pretty much knows i am the npc king um i'll use the npcs to to bring somebody back in you know bring them back around and uh you know and like you were saying some of the people you know you know i would call them the wallflowers you know they don't talk a lot they don't do a lot um and they're also probably the ones that don't have a real big backstory now some do uh, but most of the time, the same ones that are kind of quiet are also the ones that just, you know, they may, they may not feel super comfortable with the game yet or the mechanics. They, you know, they're still trying to feel themselves out. I, um, I'll try to reel them back in. Um, if let's say we have you know, a rogue, uh, what I would do is definitely would try to throw in a lot more traps, uh, you know, some more locked doors, chests that need to be picked, you know, give them something, uh, but then give them, uh, a lot of times I'll do comic relief. Uh, you know, something will happen that uh, will make everybody laugh. That kind of breaks the ice <laughs> and gets them more involved. You know, um, I love the way that Clay plays. You know, um, he is my fa- my favorite rogue. Um, traps? What's, what's a trap? I don't need to look for traps. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's my my favorite rogue who seems to be in more trouble because he he just forgets that he's got to look for traps. You know. Why live your life in fear? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like you have a thing. That's the thing. That's he. That's his shtick. <laughs> that's him. That's the way that Clay's character is, and I totally I totally love that about him. So. Great. So. Yeah. But I know, other I, than I feel that, like for Cody, he has his. What are those three magic balls called? Oh yeah, they're. they're yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I think he uses that to kind of like mix it up every now and then. And what is it? It's a goat and uh, a, a a giant goat, and then what is it? A giant bear. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. So far, that's I think it's got him in more trouble than it's really helped him. Although the comedic relief is fantastic. I love that giant goat. Yeah. What is a hero? That is a nice goat. Okay, okay. Well, that was one of mine. And then the other one was, you know, this is my first game, so I can't answer this question, but for everybody else, um, depending on how many games you've played, did you have you recycled characters? Uh, and when, yes. you, when and if you did, did you put <laughs> a little, like, twist to it, or are you more or less no. kept it? the same <laughs> um, no <laughs> yeah uh I, i've recycled a lot of characters between campaigns there are a few constants that i bring back and usually those are nods to like my players um more than anything else sometimes they're like plot devices 
I know uh, there are less subtle things like that, like my dad does, where he brings in actual like PCs that he's played in previous campaigns. Um, but and and I'm guilty of that too. I like I, I just like giving little like head nods. Usually it's nothing serious, nothing that's gonna like ruin the plot or run away with it. But just like, hey, this is a character that I played and I really enjoyed playing them, and I want to like showcase them guys and if anyone else played with me in that campaign they'd be like oh that's ryan's character that's cool so i feel like it would take a bit for me to recycle a character because there's just so much to do like so many varieties and as much as i love a character i think just letting it live its life once is good enough for me ryan do you feel like recycling make it kind of boring um it can i basically Mm -hmm. have an infinite vault of characters that I'm willing to play um, at any given time. Mainly because whenever new content comes out, I'm like, cool, how do I make that into a character? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of have a backlog that stretches forever and a half. But, um, you know, sometimes I'm just feeling like, yeah, I want to play an elf monk again. That was fun. (laughs) I remember Clay, he was a barbarian, as he says, and his name was Forte. And he he played the the piccolo, was it? Yes, I did. I was a big yes. beefy bar. Uh, I would like uh, if he recycled that personally. That was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I was so ready to play that character. <laughs> so mad that that campaign didn't take off. Uh... So yeah, basically, I think that recycling a character as a player and as a DM is fine. But like. I guess my biggest gripe is if you're a player and you make a character and that character dies or gets written out of the story, don't play the same character again. Got it, yeah. I'm Kieran Jr. and I've come back to revenge my father. It had its time and, and now it's time for Right. Like, okay, like if you wanted to play a really specific class and subclass and that character got killed off, like you know, before it was their time to actually go. Like, you just got a series of unfortunate roles. Like, I would still just say, like, yeah, that sucks, but, like, there'll be another chance to play that character. Don't just, right. you know. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't recycle characters. I feel, like, for me personally, if I ever did, I would wait a couple of campaigns until I recycled something. And even then, I feel like I would modify it and, like, talk to my DM so it can better fit the setting. Right. And that's kind of my perspective is like if you recycle a character between campaigns, um, you know, that's fine. I don't think that's going to be an issue. But only playing one type of character consistently forever, that's like, ugh. It was really funny, actually. My mom came in and she was asking me about my characters. And she's like, so do you play the same characters in every campaign that you're in? And I had to explain like, uh, I've no. played similar characters, but no, usually they're always new ones. Um, I just but... imagine you pulling out a binder and being like, no, look. <laughs> well, <laughs> mo- let me tell you, Mom. I've got most of them online, actually. But, you know, I've got my folder full of character sheets, too. But, yeah. Um, so, like, and part of that is, like, you don't want to mix up which characters have which abilities in different campaigns. Like, if I have three... Mm-hmm characters that are exactly the same in three different campaigns. I'm going to forget which one, which abilities which ones have, which items I have on which character, etc. And so basically, I think that it's a lot more trouble than it's worth. But, you know, if you want to play the same character more than once, I'm not going to stop you. I think that's... I've played my fair share of 
um, halfling uh, divination wizards. So, all right. About an onomancy dwarf who's a demon hunter. That sounds like a good move. Yeah. <laughs> My next move. Solid stuff. <laughs> and then I I know Kevin with with Nolstrom, apparently, which I didn't know about until much much later. Well, cycled. <laughs> he, well, but he has had many iterations uh, in between. <laughs> um, you know, when the campaign needs a fighter, he's a fighter. When they need a rogue, he's a rogue. I've played a cleric numerous times. Um, but, correct, you know, that's, me if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Nolstrom like one of your first characters that you ever played D&D as? Yes, yes, he was. And actually, he did die a horrible death. Um, no. <laughs> unfortunately, my uh, probably the second, third, fourth campaign uh, that I had ever played, and the DM took me into another room and he said, "You know that this is you know, this room's collapsing, right?" And I said, "Well, I know that, but does my character?" And he looked me dead in the eyes. He goes, "No." And I said, "Well, then I'm continuing on." So I think the total score when everything was done, he was at like negative forty something. So yeah, that'll and, do it. And uh, pretty much ground into a fine, uh, you know, uh, uh, mist. But uh, you know, so I asked him. I said, but, "But I can play him on a different campaign, right?" <laughs> Dan, yeah, he said, "Yeah, that's fine." So I mean, that was it. I was out of the campaign. This was back in the you know the days when uh, dead is dead. So. You know, whatever. I'm fine with that. You know, but like I said, I I just I tend to go towards the I like dwarfs and um, I like uh, you know more more combat oriented. Although I really do like playing a cleric as well. And I and I I've played elves, you know, rangers, you know, and I I could probably recycle through some of those. I just have my set, you know, uh, favorites. And I think if somebody does, you know, just change it up, change the race. You know, change the name. You know, it could be basically the same character. You're putting the same, you know, soul into it. But, you know, just for you know, continuity's sake, don't make it the same, you know, character identical. Yeah. No but I mean, other than characters. that, and the thing is, is when you're first starting, you really need to get the, a class down and a race down. You need to know what they can and cannot do and, you know, and be able to, you know, control it. Once you've played a few times, you know, then, yeah, jump in and, and go for something that's completely different. And Bree, I think you've done fantastic. Starting as a druid is not an easy character to start with. I know more now. <laughs> <laughs> she was younger okay. than I Yeah, I was younger and just said, I like animals, druid, please. And now that, I know better. That, <laughs> you know he's back then. I'm... I'm surprised though we don't have a cat running around in the party the whole time though. Actually, I think she forgot that she had that spell. Yeah, I didn't, but I was like, I don't want to be that person who's already asking for help when they're in combat while wild in like wild shape. So I was like, I'm just gonna leave it. I I put my familiar. It's a familiar, right? I yeah, put my yeah. familiar away. <laughs> Well, and that's always usually a pretty good idea because usually in combat, the familiars don't fare well. They're, you know, usually the, the DM will target them first. It's like, okay, he's off the board. Don't have to worry about him anymore. So, DMs just have vendettas against familiars. Yeah. Some do. They really do. I, you know, I've had a lot of DMs that just do not like them. And if they, you know, they begrudgingly allow them, uh, it's amazing how they killed off in the first five minutes. 
you know, a thousand rats come out and attack your, you know, your familiar. Oh, it's dead. So sorry. Like, I don't get it. Like, if somebody wants to have their cat that they can't even 100% control, because I'm pretty sure the DM controls familiars because they have a mind of their own. Um, yeah, they're going to run away and, I mean, you know, or whatever, but yeah. Well, yeah, and it does, like, what, 1d4 minus 1 damage if it hits? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's not even a big deal. It's just one more piece on the board that they're having to deal with, I right. think, is and what I guess- it comes down to. Uh, all right. Well, we are running really long in the tooth today. I, I apologize if yeah. you had somewhere to go, but uh, just one last piece. Um, everyone has asked me to kind of bring us up to date on our uh, epic campaign. We did have the epic fight with the boss uh, this last uh, round. And um, it, to say that everybody fared well, uh, that's an understatement. They did really well. I have never seen such poor dice rolling in my entire life. Um, I, I do believe that roll 20 is cursed. Um, I think we ran, I think we ran, I don't know, maybe six rounds and nobody hit anything. Um, you know, foe or ally. It was, it was just horrible. Um, we did have some comedic relief. Um, Ryan's character took a little flight uh, through the, uh, through the planer uh areas and uh we uh but we did have a a really good time and we i think we came into our own and we could continue this in as needed however that being said it looks like they are starting to relax the rules and we may be uh, playing in person again Mm. um however we we i think we are doing okay on this uh roll 20 and I would say, if you're just starting, give it give it some time. There is a little bit of a learning curve, and there is a little bit of uh, uh, you know just a positioning to playing um, online versus in in person. But um, I would say that we've all done really well, and I think we are uh, we're coming out of this epic portion and then into a new chapter. So uh, we are playing again tonight, so we will bring you up to date if anything significant happens. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed your time with us. I know we ran a little long, but I'm hoping that you enjoyed it. So um, everyone say bye, and uh, we'll call it for the night. Goodbye. Later, everybody. everybody. This has been Roll for Insanity, and remember to sign my petition to abolish the election piece. Please.